Welcome to Winning Streaks. I'm your host, Tanvir Mustafa, and every week I get deep into the stories and strategies of experts, champions, business moguls, and industry leaders to find out how you can win the day and win at life. If you're committed to never settling for the status quo and consistently challenging yourself to new heights, then this is the show for you. In return, I commit to bringing you insightful, practical, and no BS conversations that will help you create your next big win. Welcome to a very special episode of Winning Streets, episode 100 of the show. And I thought, what better way to do this episode than bring back my first ever guest on the show? He has spent 15 years working with the highest performing basketball players on the planet, including future Hall of Famers such as Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, and the late, great Kobe Bryant. Now he's a renowned global speaker, coach, and author working with some of the top companies in the world to help their team embrace high performance for greater team success. Introducing Alan Stein Jr. Alan, welcome back to the show. Hey, it's so great to be with you. Uh, congrats on episode 100 and and congrats on all of the amazing success uh, you and the show have had. So it's nice to reconnect. Thank you so much. It's, it's great to have you back and um, just finished reading again your book, Raise Your Game. Really awesome principles on high performance secrets from the best of the best. And there's a lot of that that I want to get into. But first, I got to start with a couple of selfish questions sure. because I just got back from the gym. I'm working on my jump shot. I'm working on my game. All right. And some backstory is that I, you know, played basketball growing up. I had a jump shot, but then when I got to high school and when I went to, to try out for my high school senior team, um, you know, I, I did good in the tryouts. Like I was hitting shots from deep. They were going in no problem. But then one day my coach was like, you have a bad jump shot as in my form was off. And so after that, even though I was hitting shots, I started trying to change my form and I've never been able to get back into a rhythm. So now when I'm going back into the gym, I'm just trying to figure out how do I, how do I make this jump shot a reliable jumper and get back to a place where I'm confident in it? Any advice? Like how, how should I approach practice and how should I approach thinking about improving that skill set? Well, I mean, at this point, assuming you're not trying to play professionally and you're, you're playing more from yeah. a recreational standpoint and just trying to enjoy the game and have some fun. I wouldn't put too much um, emphasis or pressure on having impeccable form. Like just shoot in a way that is natural and most comfortable to you. And as you already know, uh, the only way to get good at anything is through purposeful practice and through thousands and thousands and thousands of repetitions. You know, um, if you were 12 years old and you aspired to play at the collegiate or professional level, then I would recommend that a coach uh, try and make your form as effective as an efficient as possible at this time, based on what your future goals are. Um, but, but I'm in the same camp as you at present, you know, kind of a weekend warrior playing the game for fun. Uh, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. Just get in the gym, get in some reps and, and have a great time uh, enjoying the game that, that so many millions of people love. Yeah, it's really why I do it. I mean, I just, I, I hadn't played ball in a while and I missed it. I missed the game and I missed the competitive nature of it and, you know, who that makes me as a sales professional, um, which is kind of what I want to talk to you about today, which is like, okay, you know, basketball is a competitive game, yeah. but so is sales. You've got, you know, all these people competing with the other people on their team, but also competing with themselves on a regular basis and trying to reach their quota or let's call it presence club, which is equivalent to winning a, a championship in basketball. Um, when it comes to what you've noticed from, let's call it like role players, all-stars, superstars, hall of famers, 
what separates those categories? What separates the people who are, you know, average versus good versus great versus the best? Well, I'm so excited to be talking about sales because I'd say about 50% of the, the brands and the companies and the organizations that bring me in to speak um, are sales oriented groups or they have me speaking to their sales departments because um, as you just noted, there's so much utility and so much transfer uh, between what it takes to be an elite basketball player and what it takes to be elite in sales. And you know, I know that, that you currently cover things like habits and mindset and focus um, because that's where there's so many parallels. You know, uh, immediately what jumps out to me, there's, there's three characteristics um, that elite basketball players have, elite business professionals have, and certainly elite sales professionals. Um, and that is the, the ability to refocus their lens um, on three key components. Uh, number one, uh, they refocus the lens on what we just call the next play, or you could call it the next sale, you know, the, the next uh, call that you're going to make to a prospect or the next proposal that you're going to make or the next, uh, you know, customer meeting that you have. Um, but it's, it's refocusing the lens on what's right in front of you and not worrying so much about what just happened. So, you know, in mm. basketball terms, you know, don't worry about the turnover, focus on the next play. Don't worry about the missed layup, focus on the next play. Don't worry about the referee, you know, not making a call, focus on the next play. And the reason this is so important in both basketball and sales is any mental, physical, or emotional energy you waste on something that is in the past, that, that is in the rear view mirror, that is unchangeable, means you don't have that mental, physical, or emotional energy to invest in the present moment where you can still make a difference. So from a sales lens, you know, let's say you've got an entire day of, of calls lined up with prospects and current customers or clients and your first couple of calls don't go the way that you'd hoped. You know, it's, it wasn't your preference. You know, you heard a couple of no's very early in the day. Well, are you able to quickly refocus the lens so that you can give that fourth or fifth prospect or customer, you know, your best show up as your best self? Or do you drag some of that negative energy from those first few calls in? So number one is the ability to refocus the lens on the next play. Uh, the second characteristic that makes for elite basketball and elite sales professionals uh, is refocusing the lens on the two things you have control over, which is your own effort and your own attitude. Now, I don't ever want it to be a game of verbal semantics. When you mix effort and attitude together, you have preparation. You're certainly in control of how prepared you are. And as a sales professional, preparation, you know, doing the work before you get there is vital to performance. Um, you can mix effort and attitude and you get enthusiasm. You know, you're certainly as a sales professional are responsible for how enthusiastic you choose to be. But really, those are just spokes off of the same wheel. Ultimately, we're still talking about effort and attitude. And what's most important for sales professionals to understand is that regardless of what industry you're in, regardless of whether you sell a service or a product, that there are outside factors that, that have a, an impact on your ability to do that. You know, the economy is usually one of the big ones, depending on what it is that you sell. And these outside factors absolutely have an impact, but you don't have any control over those outside factors. What you do have a control over is your effort and your attitude and how you choose to respond to those. So what I recommend for both basketball players and sales professionals is not to let the outer world, circumstances, events, what people say, what people do, don't let that dictate how you choose to show up and your perspective and your attitude and your mindset and your approach that needs to come from within. 
And it's been my experience that the most elite level sales professionals, they can sell in any economic climate. You know, they can sell no matter what the world is doing. Um, and, and that's because they have that kind of internal focus. And then the third component is learn to refocus the lens on the process. Whether you're a basketball player or a sales professional, uh, I, I recommend and understand that you have goals, you know, and I think goals are fantastic for providing clarity and direction. But once you've set a goal and let's just say it's a sales goal, your goal is to sell, you know, 100 products uh, uh, this quarter. Fantastic. Once you've established that goal, take your eyes off of the goal and put it on the process, put it on what's right in front of you. Put it on the daily behaviors and the checklist and the, the, the skills and the decisions that need to be done to incrementally, systematically, and progressively move you closer to that 100 uh, sales in the quarter, you know, and, and that you need to be process oriented. So, so don't get so enamored with the 100. Focus on the one that's right in front of you because you can't get to number 100 if you don't sell product number one. And then the moment you sell product number one, refocus your lens on selling product number two and give that your full attention. The analogy I always use is if you're ever asked to build a brick wall, don't focus so much on the wall. Put all of your focus onto the bricks on laying each brick with care and precision. Because if you lay each brick with care and precision, the wall will just take care of itself. And the same thing is true in sales. If your goal is to sell 100 products uh, in Q1, Focus on each and every customer, each and every prospect, each and every piece of content marketing, each and every relationship, each like focus on those things. And that will end up generating, you know, the hundred sales over time. I really love those tips. Next, next, next play, right? Next play mentality, yeah. effort and attitude that lead to preparation um, and just controlling what you control and being, being obsessive about the process and not the outcome. Now, when it comes to a obsessive and, and also paralleling that with people you've worked with, I think about Steph Curry, right? Steph Curry is obsessive with his process and he's, you know, people call him and they label him as the greatest shooter of all time, in my humble opinion. And I got a lot of, I'll get a lot of disagreements with this, but I think he's the greatest point guard of all time, um, in, in my opinion. Now, one thing that I've heard you say about Steph when it comes to his preparation and process is that. Like when you worked with him, he wasn't going to leave the gym until he swished five, three, five free throws. And let's be clear. It's not if I, if he shoots his fifth free throw and it touches the rim, that's not a swish. He means clean swishes. So that, you know, again, coming back to the process piece of it, you might have a lot of salespeople who are, you know, trying to focus on the process, but they're not at that Steph Curry level where he's swishing five shots. So how do you recommend sort of merging those two worlds of sort of obsession and perfectionism with, you know, sticking to a process. Like where, how do you blend those two worlds when it comes to sales? Well, first and foremost, I mean, every human being walking the planet, whether they're in basketball, they're in sales, uh, needs to create their own path and their own process and their own identity. And they need to, to do the best they can not to play the comparison game. You know, the average basketball player, if they tried to hold themselves to the same standard of a Steph Curry of not leaving the gym until they swished five free throws in a row, I mean, you'd have some players that would probably die in a gym <laughs> because they wouldn't be able to, to reach that standard. So, you know, everyone needs to figure out what's appropriate to them. But, but sales to me has always been on some level just a matter of math. You know, let's keep using this hypothetical example of I'm trying to sell a hundred of my products in Q1. 
Well, you need to, and this will happen with some time and some trial and error and some experience and, and, and you know, uh, is being able to figure out, well, in order to reach a hundred sales, you know, we got to look down the funnel and we got to figure out, you know, well, how many initial prospects do I need to, you know, generate interest with like at the top of the funnel, how many people do I need to gain interest in this? And then what is my conversion rate? And then start plugging in the numbers to figure out what you need to do to be able to sell a hundred. And then you take it even further and you say, all right, well, what do I need to do to generate that number of prospects? You know, is it, is it content marketing on LinkedIn? Is it cold, cold calling? Is it like figure that part out? Um, and, and it's probably a variety of different, different methods. Um, but once you've started to hone that process and that funnel and figure that out, then you put your focus on that actual process. You know, for example, you, you know, as a sales professional, instead of five swishes in a row, you know, you could say, I don't leave the office until I've made 10 outward bound cold sales calls or sent 10 outward bound emails or tried to, you know, uh, reconnect with previous customers to ask for referrals, like whatever it may be. But if, if you were to put that number in and say, hey, every day before I leave the office, I'm going to make uh, five phone calls, five emails to prospects and five emails to current customers asking for referrals. So I'm going to do those 15 things every single day no matter what the rest of my day looks like, those 15 things are absolute non-negotiables for me. I promise you, anyone that's willing to do that and then just start stacking days, um, you'll start to see a benefit to that. You know, you've got to stick to uh, the process. I mean, the, the, the underlying theme to the whole Steph Curry analogy that you made is he's not the world's greatest shooter and arguably the greatest point guard by accident. It's, it's because he's honed a process and held himself to incredibly high standards. And he has the discipline and the mindset to stick with that. You know, when, when Steph Curry, and it even happens to him, even though he's the greatest shooter of all time, you know, he still occasionally has an off game. He still has a poor shooting night. He still feels a slump every now and then, but he doesn't change the process because of that. And same thing on the sales side, elite sales professionals, they stick to their process when it's raining sales and they also stick to their process when, when sales are, are very few and far between. Yeah. And going back to sort of how Steph does that, you know, one of the other things that I keep hearing about him that I've actually found out recently, but it makes a lot of sense, which is, you know, your success in public is directly related to your hard work in private and Steph Curry practice practices thousands of shots on a day-to-day -day basis. So the actual amount of shots that he's making in a game or th has made throughout his career in public, like in real NBA games are maybe less than 10% of the total amounts of shots he's attempted in his life. Oh, yeah. So I, I actually, and, and I don't know when this will actually air, but at the time of this recording, I actually just recorded a video earlier this week about Steph Curry. And I, I'm going to see if I can remember the math, but it was something along the lines of, you know, he's been playing the game since he's, you know, say five years old and he's currently 35. So he's been playing the game for 30 years, but let's just take from when he was 15 to 35 you know, the, the real meat of his career. So over a 20, 20 year span, and let's just say he averaged making an additional 500 shots a day, which truthfully I think is fairly conservative, but 500 shots a day, six days per week. So even Steph Curry takes a day off. You know, you start doing the math. That's, that's 3000 shots a week. That's 12,000 shots a month. That's 160, 150,000 shots a year. And these are extra shots. Now do 150,000 extra makes per year for 20 years. That's 3 million extra makes. That's not counting any workout where he made more than 500. 
That's not counting any shots he made from age five to 15. That's not counting any shots that he made uh, in practice or in games with his actual team. This is all extra. Now, now let's be honest. You know, anytime we do something 3 million times, you know, task specific repetitions, we're probably going to get pretty good at it. So, you know, once again, Steph Curry is not a great shooter by accident. Now, yeah, did he have some genetic advantages? You know, born with great athleticism, hand-eye coordination and spatial awareness. Did he have a dad that was a, a marksman in the NBA for over a decade who taught him good shooting form and footwork and taught him the importance of, of repetition during the unseen hours? Of course, no one would negate those things. But not only did he have those things, he was also willing to, according to my estimation, make at least an extra 3 million shots. So I say that to a sales professional. I'm not saying a sales professional needs to make 3 million phone calls or send emails. <laughs> but you can figure out a routine or a process or a recipe or a blueprint that works for you. And, and I'm telling you, and I just, you know, even the hypothetical I gave earlier, five outward bound calls, five outward bound emails and five reconnects with current customers. You do those 15 things, five days a week, every single week as a non-negotiable. And the only thing possible is to increase your sales. Yeah, it's it's a it's a formula at this point. And how we look at it in strategic sales, we we identify those things as as RGAs, revenue generating activities. So the average sales rep is maybe doing one to two, maybe three hours of revenue generating activities. But if you get rid of all the clutter, all those moments that you're distracted on social media, all those moments that you're just not really focused, and you fill that with revenue generating activities, and your day is now four to six hours, all of a sudden you're getting what, 10 hours additional upon, yes. you know, your, your competitors, uh, your colleagues, et cetera, like outperforming out yourself. You're giving yourself the best shot at success. Yes. It's um, a controllable competitive advantage because most people are mm -hmm. not willing to do that dirty work. Most people are not willing to do that, make that type of commitment uh, during the unseen hours. And then what I see from a lot of folks um, is inconsistency. You know, they'll do that some days, but they don't do it every day. They do it some weeks, but they don't do it every week. They do it some months, but they don't do it every month. Or they make the mistake, which a lot of people make this mistake um, when they're trying to improve their physical fitness, is they do it every day for two and a half weeks. And then they go, well, for some reason, sales aren't raining in. Like my phone is not ringing off the hook, you know, uh, so I guess this doesn't work. And they don't understand that they didn't give it the length of time. If if Steph Curry only made those extra 500 shots from age 15 to 17 and then said, well, I guess this isn't working because I'm not the greatest shooter on the planet as a 17-year-old, well, then, you know, he wouldn't be the player that we're aware of today. So it's also sticking to that process and, and understanding that the seeds that you plant today in the sales world, they might not bloom for a month, for a year, sometimes many years. I mean, I, I can think of so many examples as a professional keynote speaker um, where someone has reached out and said, Alan, I saw, I was at one of your events four years ago. I was with a completely separate company and we'd love to bring you in now. And that's based off something they saw four years ago. So for the last four years, they didn't have a need for my services. They didn't need a keynote speaker, but thankfully I made a decent enough of an impression on them that I stayed top of mind that when they were ready, then that came to fruition. Well, if, if every time I get off stage, I'm like, well, Hey, where are all my referrals? How come I'm not picking? It doesn't work that way. You know, you have to have patience, consistency to the, and the process plus patience, you know, is, I mean, it's an irrefutable recipe for being successful. How does one go about 
building and cultivating that consistency? What, what sort of tips and tricks and, you know, methods can, can people apply to build that level of, of superstar consistency? Is they just go back to worrying about the day by day, you know, don't tell yourself, I need to do this every day for, for the entire year of 2024. That's overwhelming and intimidating for almost anybody. You don't need to do that. All you need to do is do it today. That's it. All you have to worry about is sticking to your process today. Make those five calls, send those five emails and make those five client reconnects today. That's it. Mm -hmm. And then wake up tomorrow and do it again. I mean, that's of course the, 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 the catch to that. Um, but you don't need to worry about, uh, uh, you know, doing it for long periods of time, take it day by day. But with that is, is the commitment and having a pride, having pride in oneself to start stringing together a consistent number of days. You know, if, if you want to get a big calendar out, a paper calendar and a big red Sharpie and put an X on the calendar every time you make those 15 outreaches, um, do that and then make it your goal to see how many red X's you can get in a row. You know, how far can you go before you break the chain? And if you do break the chain, because everyone is entitled to an off day, everyone is mm -hmm. entitled to, to step out of bounds every now and then. But if you go 16 straight days and then on the 17th day, for whatever reason, you don't make those calls or those emails, then see if you can start a new streak the very next day. Try never to miss two in a row. Yeah, that, that stacking, like even just seeing the red X's, I've got my own system called the 12-week year that I use for that. Oh, but yeah. just seeing that happen is like, it's almost a game. Like you just like, can't, how many red X's can I string together and like build a streak? And it's a, it's a fun game to, to be played because after a while you're getting dopamine hits from just you know, crossing that off on a, on a day-to-day -day basis. The challenge is, is that, you know, a lot of people after doing this for years or a long time, and this hits a lot of salespeople is, you know, just one day burning out or not being able to keep that streak. And, you know, we got, we got the benefit, the pleasure of seeing two legends, two goats, Steph and LeBron the other day, you know, go into a double overtime game post 46 and 36 and show the world that at the ages of 39 and 36, these guys are still some of the best players in the world, but they've been doing it for over a decade, both of them, LeBron, two decades. How, how are these guys staying motivated? How are these guys staying at the top of their game and preventing things like burnout and being so consistent for so long? Because even in my head, it seems like insanity. So help me understand how they do that and how they navigate. Well, that. I'll speak to exactly what you need to do in sales to do the same, same thing. And it's, it's a variety of different things. I mean, one, um, on some level, you do need to have some intrinsic motivation. The motivation needs to come from within. If the only reason you're in the sales game is for the external accolades and for hitting those quotas and for making president's club, um, that's a slippery slope. Now those are absolutely wonderful benefits and rewards for the work that you put in. But if your real desire, uh, and I believe that that at its core, we're not, no one is really in sales. The position you're in is to solve people's problems. You're here to help solve. Now, if you believe that your product or your service solves a problem someone has, you know, that's the, the perfect marriage right there. But, but it's been my experience. You become more intrinsically motivated when you shift your focus off of what you want from people which in this case is you want money from clients and customers and you shift your focus to what you want for them. Like I want to make sure that what I'm doing is going to improve your life or improve your business um, is, is, you know, my product or service is going to add value to you 
when you shift your focus to what you want for someone, um, that is a much more rewarding um, and, and intrinsic approach. Uh, and it, it's less likely that that flame will die out. Whereas if you just say, hey, I'm just doing this because I want to make President's Club every year. Well, after the third or fourth time of making President's Club, that might not feel as special to you anymore. So one is kind of that intrinsic uh, motivation, which um, you know is unbelievably important. The other part is using as your measuring stick your growth and your development, your improvement. You know, don't worry so much about the external metrics. You know, are you getting better? Are you better at your craft? Are you better at relationship building? Are you better at solving problems? Are you better, you know, figure out if, if your personal trajectory is going in the right direction. As human beings, we tend to be happiest and most fulfilled when we are growing, when we are learning. So one of the reasons people experience burnout is they siphon off uh, mentorship. They siphon off reading, watching, and listening content that's going to help them continue to grow. They just keep doing the same old thing over and over. So you have to constantly um, inject your inputs so that you can keep having really, really good outputs. Uh, and then the last thing is just kind of learning to love the work, you know, love the process. You know, the reason LeBron and Steph are such accomplished players is they still love working out. They still love practice. You know, they look at the game as kind of a, an extra reward. It's a bonus. But they love being in the gym by themselves, making shots and working on new moves. And same thing in sales. If the only reason you do it is to literally get the sale, um, that's hard to keep sustainable. If you do it because you love your company and the mission and the vision and the core values of your organization, you love the people you work with, you love the group that you serve, you love your product or your service, you know, you actually enjoy the work. Um, then once again, it's it's much less likely that that flame is gonna uh, is gonna you know dim. Yeah, and that's why you're seeing in year 19, year you know 15, these guys, you know, Stefan Braun in particular, they're adding skills to their game. Yeah. Like they are actually improving. It's not like they're the same players. You've got LeBron with more of a you know a three pointer, a three point game. He's got more of a post game. Steph is able to handle uh, more you know physicality in the paint because he's been working on his body. Like. Yeah. That's the craziest part is even while these both of these guys have been champions, you know, future Hall of Famers, superstars, you know, multiple all-star appearances, they're still getting better. Yeah. And so now with those two guys, I, I mean, I, I don't want to pretend that I'm, I'm naive. I'm not. They also um, are thinking about things like legacy. They also yeah. have external um, metrics. You know, I'm sure both of them want to be in the breath of the greatest who have ever played. You know, I'm sure LeBron is always fighting, you know, that argument between him and Jordan and, you know, now Curry, I, few people argue that he's the greatest shooter of all time, but as you said earlier, maybe not as many are convinced that he's one of the best point guards to ever play the game. So some of it, they also want to see how they're stacking up um, in history and against other players and not even just in their sport. You know, I mean, Tom Brady kind of set the bar high in team sports with number of championships with seven Super Bowl rings, you know, so other athletes are trying to, to chase some of those accolades. Um, but what's great about both of those players you mentioned is they're doing it within the confines of the team. Like they understand that their personal greatness um, will only be remembered if it's done for the betterment of the team and the organization that, in basketball in particular, most of what you're measured by is winning championships. And, you know, if you win a lot of championships, then you happen to be in these conversations.
Yeah, that's right. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Kobe in this conversation, the late great Kobe Bryant, um, who had an obsession with championships, right? Every year it was like, I got to win a championship, ultimately ended up winning five. And, um, you know, that was one of the hardest days of my life, honestly, when, yeah. when, when we lost him uh, just around four years ago. Um, last time I had you on the show, I asked you about Kobe and, you know, you saw him practice and he mentioned that, why do you think I'm the best in the world? I'm the best because I, I, I'm obsessed with the basics, right? I'm in love with the basics. So that was a really great lesson that I learned from you last time. Uh, this time I want to explore something about, you know, kind of his, his obsession with practice, which was he would do something, which is he would, he would wake up earlier than everyone else, 4 a.m., right? 3.30 a.m. sometimes, practice, go home, recover, practice again, go home, practice again. So he would practice three times in, a, in one day versus people practicing two times or, or one time in one day. Um, uh, I, I set I set all that stage because obviously he was different than most NBA players, the, even even more than the superstars, right? Which led him to spending a lot of his career time, you know, working on his craft, working on his career. After he retired, spending a lot more time with his family. Um, all, all that to say, he's a legendary, you know, girl dad. But what I want to understand is, do you need to? have that level of sac sacrifice to really be the great greatest in your game or like the best of the best or is there a way you look at finding balance so that you know one can still you know excel in their career but also you know be a good dad or a mom at home or you know husband or wife like whatever it may be i'm just trying to understand like how does a high performer manage high performance with also trying to be a high performing you know, family person, et cetera, et cetera. Well, at the risk of sounding like I'm dodging the question, I really do believe it's incredibly individual to every single person out there because every person out there um, has a, a slightly different situation. I mean, there's some trends I'm sure that we notice um, and, and both personally and professionally and they're in different seasons of their life. You know, even me, I, I turned 48 a couple of weeks ago. Like the way my life looks at 48 is a lot different than it did at 38 and 28 and at 18, you know, so there are different seasons, you know, my, my kids are at a different age now than they were obviously 10 years ago, which means they needed different things from me at that time. So I, I think for each person, you've got to figure out that rhythm and you've got to figure out what the ultimate harmony and flow and balance is. And, you know, it's been my experience and, and I'll just speak in the first person, you know, as a professional speaker, I make the vast majority of my living traveling to speak at engagements, to give keynotes and deliver workshops uh, and trainings. Um, now, I actually like that lifestyle. It means that when I'm gone and I'm working, I can be fully focused on work. When I'm home, I can be fully present with my children, with the other things that are important to me. Um, but yeah, there are different seasons. You know, January and February and March, Q1 of every year tends to be a very busy time for me and my speaking business because a lot of people are doing their sales kickoffs and they they want to start the year off right. So it's an opportunity um, for, for me to dive into my business and take advantage of, of many of these opportunities. But it's also really hard for me and pulls on my heartstrings because all three of my children play youth basketball, which also occurs in January, February, and March. So there are times where I'm missing middle school games with my twin sons because I'm at a speaking engagement. But then there's other times throughout the year where speaking slows down significantly and I can invest way more time. So th these are very open conversations that I have with my children. 
you know, one extra pillar is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm divorced. So I'm in a current relationship now. And my girlfriend lives in Florida. I live in, in the Washington DC area. So we're trying to do the long distance thing. Uh, she's a very successful business owner uh, in her own right. So now I've got my, my business travel. I've got trying to, to create a, a romantic relationship. I've got my commitment as my father to my children. And, and it is challenging. And I'll say with full humility and transparency, there are some times where things work pretty well and are pretty seamless. And there's other times where I feel like I'm dropping every ball that I'm given and it, and it hurts and it's hard. And the reason I say that is I hope anyone listening right now, um, if you're feeling any type of struggle when it comes to personal and professional balance, be kind to yourself, give yourself some grace and space to be less than perfect, you know, figure out what is most important to you and try to design and build your life and your schedule around that. But no, there are going to be times where, you know, and I've told my children this, it doesn't mean that I don't want to be at your game. It simply means that I have found a vocation that I find incredibly meaningful and a lot of purpose in, and I love being of service to others. And there are times where I'm going to choose that because it fills me up and it is what I do. Um, but then there are other times where I will say no to those things so that I can be fully present uh, with my children. And um, to me as a father, and this is my own value system, I'm not trying to push this on anyone else. I actually think one of the best gifts I can give my children is to model for them the fact that I have found something I find purposeful and meaningful, and I go all in to be the best I can at that. And I only hope that one day they find something just as meaningful and purposeful. And, uh, and I don't say that to skirt what it means to be present and actually be sitting in the bleachers watching my kids play. Um, but I, I need to find a way to, to have some, some harmony and some flow with all of that. And sometimes I think I do a really good job of it. And other times I give myself some pretty low scores. Yeah. I, what you're saying, I know you said it's your own value system, but I think it's almost universal in principle in the sense that, you know, we talk about all the time, how you perform at work is directly correlated to how you're going to show up outside of work. Yeah. So for someone that's really a family person, but they're not satisfied with their career, they're not satisfied with how they're performing or how they're showing up, inevitably that energy is going to show up in their presence with their families. Like they're not going to be fully there. They're going to feel guilty. They're going to feel all the shame from not really performing at work. And those two things blend, which is going back to what you mentioned on the podcast a few years ago with what Kobe said, which is be obsessed with the basics, right? Fall in love with the fundamentals, because as long as you're at least, you know, doing the fundamentals on a day-to-day -day basis, doing that red X on the calendar, at least you're getting, you know, some sort of minimum viable action, yeah done on a day-to-day -day basis. Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up. And, and, and one like thing that I use is kind of a compass. I heard this probably 20 years ago, and I think it was David Allen that said it first was if you have more than three priorities, then you don't have any meaning hmm. you need to have some pretty good focus on what it is. You know, if you're trying to be a master of eight things or serve eight masters, it's going to be really hard. So for me at the base is, is what I call my self care. You know, my self-care means I am constantly trying to fill my bucket mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually so that I have the energy, I have the optimism, I have the confidence, you know, to be the best father, be the best speaker, be the best boyfriend. So for me, the base is always self-care and I prioritize my self-care. I, I eat clean, I exercise regularly, I prioritize my sleep, you know, I do all of the, the things that I need to do to be the, my best self as consistently as possible. On top of that, I only really have three primary focal points. 
It is my children. It is my business and it is my, my relationship. Those are really the only three things that, that I tend to focus on and they necessitate most of my time, you know, and I say with a huge smile outside of what I do with my girlfriend or with my children, I don't have much of a social life. Like I'm not hanging out at bars. You know, I don't spend all day Sunday watching NFL football. Uh, I don't fix cars. I don't smoke cigars. I don't golf. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those hobbies. Nothing is wrong with those things. But all of those things take time and they take attention. And I'm at a season in my life right now where I don't have any extra time or attention to devote to those things. So literally those three things get the overwhelming majority of my attention. Now, yeah. fast forward five, 10 years when, when I'm technically an empty nester, my kids are now adults. Well, that'll be kind of one pillar that will free me up to do some other things and explore some other things. And maybe my business will evolve and change into something that I do less trap. So I'm not saying that this is going to be how I'm going to be for the rest of my life. But right now in this season, those are the three things that I focus on the most. And, and I think each person listening to this right now doesn't mean you have to have three things. It could be two. It could be five. It's, that's up to you. But I think you need to get crystal clear on what you value most in where you want to intentionally put your time and attention. And then you have to learn how to block out and disregard everything else. And, and that is not easy to do by any means. Um, but for me, that type of hyper-focus uh, is, is, is a requirement. In line with what you're saying there, you know, I've studied hundreds of high performers at this point, a lot of them being NBA athletes. And you know, what I see time and time again, no matter how you skirt around it, what you're, what you want to achieve or what you're willing to achieve is also directly in correlation with how much you're willing to sacrifice. Yeah. I think that's just a cardinal rule and it sounds, you know, harsh, but you can also accept that there's some things that you don't want to sacrifice. You know, for me, I know there's, there's, you know, time with my wife that I don't want to sacrifice. There are date nights that I don't want to sacrifice. There are, um, you know, the gym, my health, like that is not something that I want to sacrifice for success. So, um, I think that's just a, an element of, and you mentioned this in your book, which is one of the, the traits of being a high performing player or person or, you know, salesperson is self-awareness. Yes. Being really self-aware and honest with yourself about what is important to you, what's not important to you and attacking your, your plan based on, on that. Absolutely. And, and some of the things you can do to check if you're a little bit unsure uh, and this isn't, I, I don't know who came up with this first or I'd give them proper attribution, but the very first thing you need to do is look at your calendar. You know, I actually use a Google calendar. It's on my laptop. I sync it to my phone. You know, look, I'm, so I'm saying this to anyone listening or watching right now, take a look at your calendar and see what things you prioritize, you know, is the only thing on your calendar business meetings and, and calls, or do you have, as you said, date night with the wife or, you know, your, your son's t-ball game or soccer game or or, you know, do you have personal stuff on your calendar? Once again, I'm not saying this through the lens of judgment. I, I want each and every person to find their groove and to find their path. But I do know people, and I was one of those people previously that would say, you know, family first. And then you look at my schedule and the family only got the leftovers. They got the scraps. Mm -hmm. Like my calendar was based on my business. And then if there was time left over, that was for family. So while I was preaching family first, I was not living family first. So I've, I've tried to course correct that. And once again, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that putting your business meetings and calls on your calendar first is wrong. Don't look through the lens of right or wrong, but just be very intentional about what you're doing. You can also look at, you know, the, the pictures on your phone. That's another marker of what you value and what you think is important. 
You can look at your credit card statement or your bank statement or, or what you buy on Amazon. That's going to give you some clues to what it is that you value and what you think is important. And, and I cannot stress enough. I am not placing judgment on any of these decisions someone makes, but as you said, self-awareness is vital. It is the foundation to which everything else is built. And we can increase our self-awareness by saying, all right, what does my calendar look like? What am I taking pictures of? What am I buying with my credit card or on Amazon? You know, if, if you want to know how much you prioritize and value your health, go right to your pantry right now and look in your cupboard or look in your refrigerator and see what types of foods you have in there. That will immediately yeah. tell you how much you prioritize or value your nutrition. You know, look at your schedule and ask yourself, yeah. when is the last time I've moved my body? Either going to play pickup basketball or going to the gym or going for a jog. But, you know, once again, these things will start to reveal what it is that you prioritize. And, and I do believe that no one should tell anyone else what they should prioritize. That is for each of us to decide. But I think it's important that we don't walk in limbo, that we say, this is what I believe is most important to me. And now I need to make mm -hmm. sure my behaviors match my beliefs. Uh, and, and here's an example for any of the parents out there listening. So for context, I have almost 14-year-old twin sons and I have an almost 12-year-old daughter. All three of them play youth basketball, and all three of them have told me that they want to play college basketball. That is a goal of theirs. It's not my goal. That's their goal. And they have asked for me to help guide them and lead them and hold them accountable to making that happen. Well, this past summer, you know, six, seven months ago, I had to have a really strong heart-to-heart -heart conversation with my kids, and I had to let them know that my opinion is that they're, at that time, their current level of commitment was not congruent with playing college basketball. You say you want to play college basketball, but you don't work on your game every day. You're not doing things to build your body and your athleticism. You're not reading and watching things to improve your mental toughness and health. You're not making the extra 500 shots a day that a Steph Curry made. And, and what I said to them is, as your father, I want you guys to do what you find you know, happiness and fulfillment in. But I'm going to tell you now that one of two things needs to change. Either you need to recommit and go all in and give this pursuit of college basketball everything you've got, or you need to change your goal and say, you know what? I'm okay with not playing college basketball. I just want to play basketball for fun because I enjoy the game and be around my friends. And, you know, if I can play in high school, that's great. Um, but I'm not worried about playing in college. And I said, either one of those is perfectly fine. I will love you with all of my heart unconditionally, no matter what you choose. But as your father, I'm not going to let you straddle. I'm not going to let you say you want to be a college player, but then only have a very mediocre commitment to the game. And, and it was a really great conversation we've had. And, you know, I think the jury is still out with my three children if they are willing to make the commitment required to play at that level. But I say with all sincerity, if they choose not to, that is okay. That doesn't bother me at all. What's most important is that their beliefs and their behaviors are congruent and in alignment. And that's the same thing that I would say to every single person watching or listening to this right now. I love those principles. And, you know, what I've learned is a lot of fulfillment, a lot of that happiness, it doesn't just come from nowhere. Like passion doesn't just come from nowhere from something. It comes from sucking at something, then getting good at it. And that's where the passion comes from. It's this thing that you're improving and getting better at over time. And, you know, maybe that thing is not basketball or college basketball for some people, but it might something be something else where they're like, I know sales, for example, I know I can be good at this thing, but it's hard. And so that's preventing them from wanting to go, you know, all in. But when you make the decision to go all in, 
when you decide yet that yes, this is what I want to do, you're you know taking care of that first domino, which then allows you to get better, which then allows you to put the commitment, the habits, the work ethic, everything into place to ultimately feel that sense of fulfillment that you're looking for. So yeah. I love the way you frame well, that. Well, to piggyback on a few things that we we've talked about is. I also want to make sure that someone's not misconstruing what we're saying. And let's keep looking through the lens of sales professionals, since that's who you said most of your audience is. I am not prescribing that more is better. And I'm certainly not saying that to be all in, to be the best sales professional, you should be working 16 to 18 hour days. No, not at all. I think you need to have, you need to aim for more efficiency. You need to be able to say, here, here's the time period where I'm going to devote myself to my craft and to my sales. And I want the vast majority of that time period to, to be full of RGAs and making sure that I'm getting the most out of the time that I'm putting in. But at six o'clock, when I clock out, I'm clocking out and I'm, I'm going to go watch my son's soccer game. And then I'm going to take my wife out on a date. And then I'm going to enjoy a little Netflix before I go to bed. I'm going to live a life well lived. And that's really, really important. You know, that's one of the issues with that Kobe Bryant story that I tell so often is occasionally people's takeaway from that is, well, that more is better. That if you want to be elite, you need to be up at three in the morning and you need to work all day. And no, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is every person needs to find a rhythm that works for them. And that rhythm will change based on what season of life you're in, you know, with your relationship, with how old you, maybe your children are with like those things. And they're going to ebb and flow and, and just be open and adaptive and flexible enough to be able to do that. I mean, as I said, you know, in my own life, I have certain months where I'm super busy on the speaking circuit and I have super, I have other months where things are super slow. I have months where I can spend way more time with my children than other months. And I'm just trying to find a rhythm uh, and a flow to all of that. Thank you for clarifying that. Cause sometimes even I feel guilty. I'm like, I'm not on Kobe's level. Like I can't, I'm not on right. these superstars level that they're, you know, they're grinding day in, day out. But key, key thing about what you mentioned is a lot of the things, the things that they do in their calendar are recovery, recharging their battery, replenishing their battery. Um, and you need a lot of that to, in order to sustain a long game, in order to stay in it long-term, because if you're working all the time, you will, you will definitely burn Absolutely. out. So, well you know, being present at work, being present at home, I think when you combine those two things, it allows you to succeed at the next, at the next level. Yeah. One thing now, this is, this is something that I'm just playing around with a, a terminology and a term and, a, you know, a thought process that I'm playing around with. And I just wanted to get your opinion. Um, cause I know you're, you're very, you know, embedded in the high performer performance space, People talk a lot about peak performance, right? It's like performing at your very best. I kind of dislike that terminology because I think that, you know, after every peak, there's a trough. After every peak, there's a valley where people go up and then they go down. And so a lot of the time, peak performance is about hustling, grinding, and just like getting to the top. I'm thinking about reframing it as permanent performance, things that'll get you to actually outlast your competitors, you know, play the long game, etc. Just curious, like your initial thoughts on those two pieces of terminology and how you might compare and contrast the two. Well, I'm trying to think who I, I was. I'm a voracious podcast listener, uh, as well as being a podcast guest. And a few years ago, it was a retired Navy SEAL, and I cannot think of his name. But he said something very similar to what you just said, which I thought was very insightful. Uh, the term he used, he said, I'm not worried about peak performance. I'm worried about optimal performance because as you said, peak implies that we're moving towards literally this apex. And then after that, there's usually going to be a drop off. Whereas 
optimal performance is every day. How do I do the best I can with what I have wherever I am? So uh, at the end of the day, what we're talking about is language and language always has connotations. So I, I do think some people, they say the word peak, but they mean the word optimal or they say the word peak, mm -hmm. they mean the word permanent. So uh, I think it's to each individual to be able to figure out you know, what word resonates mostly with them. But I, I love where you're going with that and the, the, the insightfulness behind that, which is let's not worry about being amazing at one specific point in time. Let's see how good we can be you know, in the long haul and on a more permanent basis. And can we have consistency and sustainability? And I would agree with that uh, completely. So um, I think each of us needs to figure out which framework works best. And yeah, for me, longevity and consistency and sustainability are some of the most remarkable traits. And uh, that means you got to be willing to do the work and focus on the process every single day. And if anyone's looking to build that consistency that's looking to, to do that per permanent performance and you know just in in general take their sales game to the next level high re highly recommend checking out your book raise your game you. and your other book uh, which is newer sustain your game which will help with both of those those pieces you know getting off the ground and then maintaining performance over time to ultimately play that long game. So, um, Alan, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Where can people find you, learn more about you, you know, invite you up to speak, et cetera. Well, well, thanks. And, and let's go ahead and make the commitment that for either episode 200 or 250 or 500, you bring me back on for a third time. So that uh, for fun. sure, we've always, uh, always had great conversation. Uh, my main hub is just allensteinjr.com. Uh, you can find anything and everything you need about me there. Uh, I'm very easily found and very accessible and responsive on social media. I'm at Alan Stein Jr. on Instagram, on X, and on LinkedIn, uh, as well as on YouTube. And as you mentioned, two books, Raise Your Game and Sustain Your Game. Uh, if anybody listening, if, if you feel like um, your organization or your brand or your business or your sales department um, could use some of what we talked about today, uh, just go on my site and click the contact button, fill out an inquiry, and would, would love to explore how I can help, uh, help your team sell more in 2024. Amazing. Thanks, Alan. What's Before we go, what's one last piece of advice you'd give to my listeners to help them achieve their next big win? Get crystal clear on, on who you want to be. Not so much what you want to achieve or where you want to visit or, you know, like who do you want to be? And then try to make as many decisions on a daily basis that you can that are in alignment with becoming that person. You know, if your goal is to be someone who is physically fit, then how many decisions can you make in a daily basis that are in alignment with being physically fit? You know, can you make good nutritional decisions? Can you, you go to the gym? Can you take the stairs instead of the elevator? Can you park further away instead of circling the parking lot 50 times to get the closest spot possible? You know, do as many things as you can that are in alignment with being someone that is physically fit. And when you, you start to line up those decisions on a daily basis, then you will become someone who's physically fit. Alan Stein Jr., thank you for coming on to Winning Streaks. My pleasure. Thank you.